Blackhawks on Ice podcast. It's brought to you by DraftKings. I'm David Schuster and more from our sponsor in just a bit. We'll also be joined by a good friend and hockey savant. That's Chris Cook. He'll be joining us momentarily. Now, the Hawks opened up the regular season last night, dropping a 4-2 decision on the road in Colorado. The game started out with a thud as the Avalanche scored three goals in a five-minute stretch as Bowen Byram, Gabriel Landeskog, and Jack Johnson all lit the lamp before Dominique Kubelik scored for the Hawks. We moved to period number two, and with four minutes left, Colorado regained their three-goal advantage as Nazim Kadri beat Mark andre Fleury between his pads. Kirby Dock and Patrick Kane had great scoring chances in both the second and third periods, but they couldn't put the puck past Darcy Kemper. But finally, Connor Murphy did score an unassisted goal with under five minutes to go in the third period. The Hawks got one last power play chance. They did pull Fleury, but they couldn't score again, so the final score was 4-2. to two. Shots on goal for the game, pretty much even. The Avalanche outshooting the Hawks. 36-34. All right, now let's bring in Chris Cook, good friend of mine, longtime hockey writer. You can follow him as I do on Twitter at Chris Cook. Chris, of course, right now currently writing for the sports section, and you can subscribe at thesportssection.com. Chris, of course, covered the Hawks. Uh, he also worked in the Hawks organization. He also covered the Washington uh, franchise for the Athletics. So Chris, really knows the Hawks, and he knows hockey inside and out. And, Chris, I hope you're doing well. Welcome in. Thanks so much for having me. We're hanging in there. That's good to know. Good to know. Good to see you, of course. Uh, so, I mean, last night's game, not exactly what uh, the uh, chef ordered for the Hawks in the opening up the season. There was a little bit of optimism going into the season. But I'll tell you what, the wind came out of the sails during that five-minute stretch, even before the 10-minute mark in the first period last night. They did not look good, David. And, you know, I, I do the, I say this with the caveat that the Avalanche are a very good team. Avalanche are a Stanley Cup contender. Um, you know, they just race up and down the ice. So they were without their best player, Nathan McKinnon. So that kind of makes it sting even more. So knowing that, still the Blackhawks were flat, as you mentioned, and just dominated in the first 10 minutes. They kind of turned the game around, their game around a little bit um, and came on at the end somewhat. But I think they were out uh, scoring chances were 33 to 15 by the Avalanche, which is just ridiculous. Uh, 10 to three in high danger chances. So Blackhawks didn't have the puck. They couldn't get out of their own zone. And when they were out of their, uh, in the Avalanche zone, they weren't able to generate anything. They got the power play go from Kubelik, which was nice to see him get going early because he's a goal scorer. But, you know, there was just some guys who weren't, weren't there. didn't show up, you know, Patrick Kane, you know, he's playing with this lingering, lingering injury that he won't tell anybody what it is. He's not going to get taken care of probably until after he's done playing, but doesn't seem quite like the same player he is. Let's give him more than the one game sample. Right. But, to me, that offense got to get going. Jonathan Taves came back. Emotional lift. was very good in the faceoffs, but really didn't generate much around the net. So they got a lot of work to do. I thought Seth Jones um, defensively, you know, he's a number one defender now, and he did not look like a number one to me. So there's some growing pains here. You know, it was really interesting. The game obviously was televised nationally on TNT. Great to see uh, Wayne Gretzky in the studio. Yeah. Still, still my, fa- my favorite, of course, of all time. Why not? But uh, they were talking about, after the first period, about Marc-Andre Fleury, and they say, well, you know what? He's no longer in Vegas anymore. So I think the insinuation was he doesn't have the defense in front of him like he did previously. He's a three-time Vezina, you know, and, and uh, Stanley Cup winner. So obviously his track record is pretty good. But they were basically letting you know on the national broadcast last night in the studio, things are going to be different for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, I won't name names, but I'm on a text string with some uh, current reporters and former reporters. And those exact words were used. He's not in Vegas anymore, you know, and it's true. You know, they don't have the puck, um, you know, like Vegas was able to do a puck position. When the Blackhawks were winning three Stanley Cups, that was their game, right, with Marion Hossa 
would hold on to the puck and him and Taves hold on to the puck. And if you've got the puck, you're the scoring, but you're not allowing goals. And that's not the case here in Chicago. So it's going to be a long year for Flower, I think. The thing is, is he's so good that he's going to keep them in the games maybe they shouldn't be in. So if you can get a guy to develop, if the Brinkett scores his 40 goals like you want him to, Kane comes through and Kubalik and some of these younger guys provide some offense, we've got a chance to win some hockey games. But yeah, it could defensively, it could be a long season for Flurry. I, I hope he doesn't question his decision to come to Chicago. Not for $7 million. He's right. not going to question anything. And that's right. why he's here. Let's be honest about it. But, you know, you beat me to the punch uh, on my next thing because, I mean, Kane is still there. Unfortunately, he is probably, you know, ha- suffering the effects of some kind of injury right now. But, I mean, he's one of the greatest hockey players I'll ever hope to see. Taze is back, so that's a lift. Kubalik is, you know, still coming into his prime, I think. You know, Kirby Dock has still got some growing pains, but he's talented. Uh, Debrinket, as you mentioned, is a sniper. Seth Jones, yada, yada, yada. So they have some named players, but they also have a lot of young players. And we're sort of like in between the old and the new. And I'm not really sure what the direction of this team is here right now. You know, they've got some young players. And I'm glad you mentioned Kirby Dock. I thought he was the best player on the ice as far as the Blackhawks yesterday. He was using his size in front of the net. Yeah, he, he did not score on some chances that he wanted to get back. He had that breakaway. It would have been nice if he had scored. Might have been a different game, but he'll that'll come, right? He's a goal scorer. He can do it. I just think he needs to be, needs to be more um, – uh, he needs to be more selfish because he's always looking to dish first, and he's a big body. Go to the net, put the puck on net, see what happens. But uh, we saw some physicality out of him. He had a huge check, and and uh, I, I just think that he was the best player, and, and that's encouraging if I'm the Blackhawks. Number three overall pick, a guy who hasn't really had a full – training camp and in leading into a season in his career. So I think that the training camp for him was, was very good. Preseason was playing in the preseason was great for him. So if you're looking for a bright spot, look at Kirby doc. I thought he was excellent. He can only get better. And if he's your number one, true number one center, then everything kind of flows down from him. You know, it's interesting, you know, obviously we were, we were both there when uh, Joel Quenville was the coach and won the three Stanley cups. And Joel was really known for a lot of things, but one of the things he was known for was juggling the lines. I mean, even when they were playing well, he would juggle the lines. Jeremy Colleton, I think is going to juggle the lines like no tomorrow this season, only because they're not as good as, as any of those teams that Joel Quenville had. And, and he's just going to be searching and searching for, an identity of this team. And something just tells me they're going to be juggling these lines all season long. I think you're absolutely right. You know, the thing with Joel Quenville, I always said, well, we want balance, right? We don't want to put Taves and Kane together as like we used to. We want to bring him down, put Kane on the so-called second line, right? Uh, the Blackhawks can't afford to do that right now. They don't have an identity offensively. They don't know who's going to be the number one center, right? They don't know who's going to score goals. So it's just been a, a matter of, you know, again, growing pains, but learning what you have because it's been, a quick turnaround as far as some of these players. And I think that he'll be juggling the lines to figure something out. May, he may never, right? It may be a situation where every game is different. Every period is different. Every shift is different. It's going to be interesting to see for sure. All right. I'm not looking to take shots at, at, at the coach because I really don't know if Jeremy Colleton is a good or a mediocre or not even a good coach. But what are your impressions of him? He, he, he looks like a good hockey coach. He talks like a hockey coach. But again, he doesn't have the horses really like like Joel Quenville did, like we just discussed. But what are your impressions of Colleton overall? He's a very bright guy. I got to know Jeremy uh, quite a bit when I worked with the organization and, and covered the team as well. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He's a young talent. He doesn't have the horses, right, which is the main thing. I mean, you and I probably could have rolled out a couple of lines there during the glory years and won some, won some games. Uh, I, I think it's, it's still a matter of also give him an opportunity to do a full season without a pandemic and without, you know, things shutting down and, um, you know, fewer games than normal. 
but I do think that it might be a shorter leash than you than you think because this Blackhawks team, it's not a really a rebuilding year, right? I mean, they've got they still you don't want to waste Patrick Kane's golden years, right? Jonathan Taves' golden years. These are guys who I want to win cups now, and, and they're just not anywhere close to that. So if they if they thought they had a coach out there, that's always my thing. Okay, you get rid of a guy, but who do you bring in who's going to be any better, right? Who's going to come in and really flow with the players? And I don't know who that is right now. So give Jeremy Collison a chance. Uh, he's a young guy, as I said, very smart, knows his stuff. I think the team plays hard for him, which is which is key. Um, but at some point, you've got to really develop a system here. And I don't. I think that's been the main issue is that. I don't know what his system is, right? I don't know if he wants to hold on to the puck. I don't know if he wants to run and gun. For a while there, he did want to run and gun, and then he didn't want to run and gun. So find out what you've got, develop a system, and then if you win hockey games, everything's going to be fine. If not, maybe you start thinking about, you know, down the line. I don't think this season. I think even another season to figure out what's going on there. But before, you know, before Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane start eyeballing retirement, you want a guy in here who can get them to win some cups. Yeah, one last question on the current thing, and then I want to go back a little bit in the past. Uh, you, you mentioned Kane and Taze. Uh, I mean, if they're not going to win cups here, do you think the organization at some point goes to either one of them and says, "Hey, do you do you want to go somewhere else and have a chance to win a cup?" I mean, they're the they're the mainstays. They're the the draws. They're also the biggest you know salary drags on on the franchise, if you will. But what do you think the the possible future is for both those guys? You know, I think it's possible. I mean, Duncan Keith is playing for, as an Edmonton Oiler, right? We didn't think that was going to happen, especially with that contract that he had. You know, they've built this franchise around Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane since they came into the league, right? They were the guys who were every marketing campaign, and they were the guys who every season saw, you know, they're going to put a statue of these guys up at some point. But, you know, it's always been in the back of Patrick Kane's head, I think. What if I went back and played for the Sabres, right? He grew up, you know, rooting for the Sabres. His dad had season tickets, and he used to sit along the glass, and um, I, it wouldn't surprise me that in the final couple of years, maybe, or last year of somebody's contract, they might go somewhere. But I think that's way down the line here. I think that they want to try to win here. I don't think either player wants to go anywhere. You know, I think Jonathan Taves wants to finish here. I think Patrick Kane probably does as well. Um, but I could say, you know, I would never say never. You know, Wayne Gretzky went to L.A. and St. Louis and, you know, um, Babe Ruth was traded. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't foresee it happening. But it wouldn't surprise me if some point down the line, they said, okay, Patrick, do you want to finish up in Buffalo as a Sabre? And he says, yes, I do want to do that. And then go get some assets for him. I still harken back to when Bobby Orr finished his career with the Blackhawks. Black right? I saw his first game in St. Louis. was back uniform. How weird is this? Uh, anyway, we're going to go back in time just a little bit here. But first, a word from our sponsor. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
All right, Chris, uh, as we've been talking about the, the Blackhawks' heyday, three Stanley Cups in, in a six-year period, pretty pretty amazing. 2010, 2013, uh, and 2015. I mean, it's it's, it, and I'll always harken back as one of the great things that I've been fortunate to be part of. I was on the ice in Philly. I was on the ice in Boston after they won, and of course here against Tampa Bay. What are your overall recollections of the dynasty? First off, I want to ask you: Did you cover that game in 1943? The, the <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I was born the day after. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Um, no, anyway, um, sorry for the, the age shot there. Like I said again, not at me. all. Um, you know, it was um, it was like traveling with a rock band, right? I mean, everywhere the Blackhawks went, they were the darlings of not only the NHL but really of sports. If you remember, they were on Sports Illustrated, and they, you know, suddenly they're this team that everybody embraced, right? I mean, you remember the time in Chicago when. You couldn't even get Blackhawks games on TV. You couldn't even get the scores on on the 10 o'clock news. And now you can't walk down Michigan Avenue in Chicago without seeing a Blackhawks hat or T-shirt. So that that team, that 2010 team especially, that brought them that first cup um, was a special group, right? Great personalities on that team, Justin Bufflin and Dave Boland and those guys. Um, it was fun, a fun group to, to cover, uh, a, a difficult task to cover them because there were so many storylines and travel back and forth and, you know, it was uh, it was a wild time, but it was great to be able to write something that everybody was interested in. Right. I was on page one every day and um, people wanted to talk to me and I want to talk about sports. And it was just it was a special time. And it, that's kind of it's it's fun. Right. When you're in this town in Chicago, after being such a you know, there were so many droughts before, you know, Michael Jordan won won those titles and, and with the Bulls. It, it was fun to be with uh, around a group that you knew something special was happening. And then when something you think something special is going to happen, and then it does happen. It just, the release was just amazing. And this town was fun. It was a great time to be in Chicago uh, covering the team. And then, you know, being, uh, as you mentioned on the ice and in Philly and, and then following it up a couple of years later, you know, in 13 and, and 15, and really they could have won another one in there. Um, had they, uh, had they gotten past the Kings, I'm sure they would have rolled the Rangers uh, after that. So, it's uh, it's it was a different feeling because this organization growing up in Chicago, it was not uh, it was not the number one thing in Chicago. Right. I mean, my younger days, they were great. It was fun to go to Blackhawks games. And there was such a down period where they were almost irrelevant in this town. And then here comes 2010 when they, you know, first first, you know, the uh, you know, John McDonough comes over from the Cubs as team president. They get the number one draft pick and Patrick Kane. The lottery ball goes their way. And suddenly it just turns into this thing. Right. This everybody wants to be there. You know, lines are on the block getting tickets and such, such a great time. And then 13 and 15 magical times. And um, really the highlight of my, my journalistic career was covering those teams and being able to document that and, and, and engage with the fans on something that they truly love. You know, I'll always get a kick out of, especially after they won the first cup and, you know, they brought the cup back and uh, you know, it went around Rosemont and all over the place. And it was like, where's Waldo? Where's the cup? You know, it was in this bar. It was in that restaurant. The cup went, I mean, that thing traveled. I think everybody in Chicago touched that damn cup the first time around. Uh, it went to all the radio stations. People took pictures, yada, yada, yada. It was it was really amusing. Well, that Stanley Cup is just, it's like a magnet, right? Everybody wants to get near it and touch it. And yeah, it was like the greatest pub crawl ever with the Stanley Cup. Every time you looked up there walking to another bar and people were going crazy and you know, you watch the celebrations now, you know, the Capitol celebration was off the hook when when they won it with, you know, Obi swimming in public fountains and things. And um, but to me, and I know there's been some raucous celebrations, but that 2010 team, they knew how to party. Right. And they, they let it go. And that really, to me, kind of set off this trend of 
just going nuts after you win the cup. And but they did bring it to the city, which I thought was great. They did. They didn't let you know. They didn't say, "Oh, you can't touch the cup." They let people hold it. They let people drink out of it. They let people hoist it. You know, it was really a fun time to be in Chicago and getting these texts. Hey, the boys are here. They're here. They're here. Are you going there? And I went to a couple of parties, and there was the cup. And you know, you just I've seen the cup probably in my career twenty times, right? And every time, I just kind of gravitate toward it because it's something special. Yeah, it really is. It's like that magic orb in, in the, one of the Woody Allen movies. Right, right. I think it is, you know. Right. Anyway, uh, you know, especially the 2010 team. And you're right. They partied like no tomorrow. Um, and the 13 team as well. They had such personalities. I mean, Kane and Taze were younger, of course. But, I mean, Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith is obviously a Hall of Famer. And he was so good back then. Uh, Seabrook paired up with him, of course. Marion Hosa. You mentioned Boland and Sharp and Crawford and even Niemi in the first cup. Yada, yada, yada. They had so many great personalities. As a reporter, you never had a problem getting stuff for whatever publication you were working for. Some great quotes came out of that room. I mean, a guy like Adam Burrish didn't play much, right? Yes. I remember I remember uh, it was one of the cups and all the national media, and Adam Burrish is in the corner. You know, he's just holding court, right, all these guys. And I think it was uh, I think it was Duncan or somebody said, uh, you know, Adam Burrish is the most quoted fourth liner in the league. You know, <laughs> it's just amazing the personalities that this team had. And Andrew Ladd was another guy who was, who was a great player for the Blackhawks and a great talker. But, yeah, you're right. You went in that dressing room. And every day it wasn't like, oh, well, I got to find a story angle. I got to do this. You talk to one guy and you've got a story. They were great personalities. And all the way from, you know, uh, from the fourth line, like I mentioned, to, you know, scratches to Joe Quinn, both the top, who was very accommodating in the media, knew how to have a good time himself, but was always willing to talk about hockey or horse racing. Uh, you know, it was just a special group. And I think Chicago really embraced that group. And I don't think any of those guys would be able to buy a stick in this town for another decade. Yeah, no question about it. All right, I want to ask you one last thing and appreciate your time, Chris. We, we've mentioned Patrick Kane here on a couple of occasions. I've always said as great as he is, and he is great, maybe, possibly, maybe even likely the greatest American hockey player of all time. I almost feel like he was robbed a little bit because he never had that one strict line that he played with his whole time here. I mean, the year that he had Panarin, on, you know, alongside of him, I mean, that was when he was absolutely at his best. And, and that's saying something. But he's always had different line mates. And I think that's robbed him just a little bit of even further greatness because he's always had to adapt to new people because they knew he, he would always work with whoever he was on his line with him. And I'm just wondering if you agree with that. I do agree with that. I do think he is the greatest American hockey player. I mean, I know Chris Jellis and Mike Madonna might have something to say about that, but um, to me, he is going to be when he's all said and done, he'll be the greatest uh, U.S. born hockey player. But you're right. I mentioned it earlier that Joe Quinn liked to balance the lines. Balancing the lines meant putting your best player in the second line, and okay, who's with him? Artem Anisimov, or you know, it doesn't matter. Until he had, as you mentioned, Panarin on the other side. But I agree with you. If, if he kept, if they kept that line of Sharp, Taze, and Kane together for four or five, six seasons. I think he, his numbers are even better, but he's that good where he's able to make everybody else around him better. Right. I mean, he made number two, you know, number four centers, number two centers, because all they did was get him the puck. And to me, that's the mark of a greatness when you mark a greatness, when you make the players around you better. And that to me is what Patrick Kane does when he's on the ice. He's a threat to score every time. Every time he touches the puck, I think he's going to score here. But when he, when he doesn't score, he's setting somebody else up or he's drawing all the attention toward him. And that makes him a great line mate. Yeah, and one last thing on Kane, and appreciate your time again, Chris. 
you know, when we sit up on the hockey games, we're way up high. So we actually have a better vantage point looking down on the ice. And the thing that I've always noticed about Kane, and I, I'm going on and on gushing about this guy, is his peripheral vision. Because he could be on one side of the ice. He knows the, the guy 100 feet away from him or even further on the other side of the ice where he is. And he can just put the puck right on his stick. His peripheral vision is second to none. Yeah, no question. And an underrated fact of that, that vision is that he doesn't get hit, right? He's not a big guy. And you've had teams take runs at him. He rarely takes a big hit. And that's because he senses guys or he sees guys coming that we wouldn't be able to see coming. And then you're right. He just knows where everybody is on the ice. He knows where the puck is. And he's not just thinking, okay, here comes the puck. He's thinking two, three seconds, you know, what's coming up. Okay, Taves is going to be here if I go left, right? And it's just amazing, uncanny ability to realize where everybody is on the ice, uh, you know, teammates and defenders, and then knowing the goaltenders and then knowing his own skill and whether do I need to shoot this puck, do I need to dish this puck, do I need to shoot this puck and get a rebound, and where am I going to send that rebound? It's just, it's been a joy to watch him play. All right, Chris, it's been a joy to have you here today on uh, Blackhawks on Ice. You can follow Chris, as I mentioned, on Twitter at Chris Cook. Chris uh, also works for the sports section. You can follow him uh, and also subscribe at uh, at thesportssection.com. Did I get that correct, Chris? You did. Thank you very okay. much for that. Yeah, no problem. And we do greatly appreciate your time. And I hope to see you very shortly down the road. Thanks, David. All right, thanks. That's Chris Cook. We'll continue on with our podcast right here. We're going to hear from a couple of the players coming up. Uh, let's hear, first of all, from Dominique Kubelik, uh, who talked about last night's game, who said, you know, yeah, it was a bad start to the game. However, they didn't get down after that first period. For sure. It was just the first period, you know. So uh, so we were saying just uh, just get back and, uh, you know, just start playing the, uh, the way we wanted. Uh, I think uh, we didn't do it that much in the first and I think uh, after that uh, like I said we got better but uh, still still we got some chances some shots uh, I still need uh, uh, one guy in the net you know second guy in the way and uh, create create some rebounds and create some chaos down there and as mentioned Kubalik did score his first goal last night of the season he was the first Blackhawk to get in, onto the scoring sheet and uh, he said he's glad he got that first goal in his first game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it would be better if, uh, if we win, right? So, so uh, obviously it was nice. Kind of thought that uh, after that goal, we got uh, we got a little better. We got uh, a little, you know, a little momentum after that, and uh, we just uh, we just couldn't uh, couldn't score the uh, the next one right away. I think that would be a different game. As Chris mentioned earlier in this podcast, Kirby Doc played really well. He had a great scoring chance. Unfortunately, he was beat. Uh, on, on a breakaway, but he had many numerous chances. He definitely, I think, was overall the best player on the ice for the Hawks last night. Anyway, he mentions that uh, that poor start really did hurt the Hawks last night. We knew they were going to come out hard. They had a lot of speed and talent up front in their D. Pretty good, so uh, we were behind the eight ball quick, and it's hard to beat a team when you're trailing like that, so we got to find a way to be ready. I mean, uh, there's no other excuses. We just got to be ready to puck drop. And finally, let's hear from the head coach, Jeremy Colleton. Here's his overall thoughts on the game. Had a couple chances, uh, but when they scored the first one, uh, felt like the game got out of control for uh, most of that first period. Um, and then we're in a big hole, and it's hard to come back against for good teams, which they are. Um, I think it, you know, boils down to we didn't do a very good job uh, with their rush offense. We did not uh, 
we didn't have enough guys back and when we the guys we did have back i didn't think we sorted out the rush well enough and they were able to get uh way way too high a quality of chances in those situation uh, situations which they scored on and uh, i thought we got better as the game went on but again it's hard to, to dig yourself out of a hole we we had our chances in the last two periods um and we didn't didn't finish them but um overall obviously the start did us in you know we we need to be better uh, we will be better we got good players and um, I think the stuff that happened is is very correctable, and I expect we will. All right, that was Jeremy Colleton, and the road trip continues for the Hawks after losing last night in Colorado 4-2. to two. They have upcoming back-to-back road games at New Jersey on Friday night. Then they're at Pittsburgh on Saturday. Then they'll come home, and their home opener is next Tuesday night at the United Center. Of course, it should be a festive evening at the UC, and the uh, opponent that evening will be the New York Islanders. Okay, that'll do it for now here on Blackhawks on Ice. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back very shortly.